Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What is going on, everybody? Is yours truly Conor K. Okay, Fabe, and welcome, guys, to your AEW Dynamite review on this bonus edition of the Okay Fabe Show. Of course, it is October the third, two thousand nineteen. We are just less than a couple of hours removed from an historic night in pro wrestling. The Wednesday Night Wars have officially begun, and it's very interesting to see what went down on both sides. A lot to talk about, a lot of action as AEW, of course, made its debut on TNT. The first time we've seen Network on the Turner broadcasting network uh or excuse me uh, turner network television in almost 20 years a lot of high octane action a huge surprise debut and a lot and a very new champion as well we have a new aew women's champion and so much to discuss on this one now of course you guys are the routine you guys are the whole deal love to hear what you guys thought about all this make sure you guys are here watching this on youtube and facebook make sure you hit that big old thumbs up button and hit the subscribe so you guys are notified every time that we have a video in your subscription box of course comment down below on what you guys thought of an AEW Dynamite de- debut on TNT. Of course, you can also download us on all your major favorite audio podcasting platforms. Of course, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning into that one. If you guys haven't had a chance to listen, we will also be doing a separate review of NXT's two-hour full debut over on the USA Network. So make sure you guys keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one. Hit me up on Twitter at OKFabe and make sure you guys listen in or watch whatever your preferences once we get that one to drop soon. These are going to be probably dropping around the same time as each other, so just make sure your eyes and ears are peeled for both of them. But we're going to talk right here on this episode on just AEW. So AEW finally debuted Dynamite on TNT, and I'll tell you, it certainly was Dynamite. Now, of course, we're going to talk a little later on about what I thought about this show compared to NXT, but we'll get to that at the very, very end. But overall, I think AEW did a very solid deal with this one. I think that their debut on Dynamite, I would consider a rousing success. I really enjoyed it for a bunch of different reasons. Again, a surprise debut at the end. Jack Hager showing up of the formerly known as Jack Swagger. Of course, uh, the new women's champ- uh, champion. We had the crazy six-man tag that still has me bugged with a lot of questions, but some other great action from all the great stars from AEW. So let's break it down and get right to it. First and foremost, we have, of course, the new commentary team, JR. We have now uh, Tony Schiavone joining JR. Man, did it not bring that WCW flood of nostalgia coming right back at the seams. Loved everything about that. Uh, Excalibur also still joining us with the three-man commentary tape booth as we start right things up with an intro video. And yeah, believe it or not, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are shown passing in the front row as, of course, JR welcomes us and introduces both of these two men to the commentary team. 
They, of course, start things off right away by showing up a hype video between the match between Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. This matchup was a lot of fun. This one actually had a lot more time to it than I thought it would, and it was a very uh, intriguing match because, of course, uh, Sammy Guevara is trying to prove himself, and Cody is, of course, the big story that they're doing here is that Cody is looking ahead to November the 9th when he challenges Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship. Um, I was kind of... I mentioned this on the prediction show or the preview show yesterday's episode that I was kind of thinking and hoping in some way that Cody, uh, that Sammy would get the win here, but at the same time, they need to make Cody look really strong going into his title match in just about a month's time. Uh, either way, though, I think Sammy put on one hell of a uh, performance. Um, amazing athletic ability from both of them. This one, I felt like they definitely did not hold anything back. Uh, I did love the spot where Sammy actually uh, took out Brandy Rhodes. I, I say took out because she didn't really like fall down too, too badly. Uh, but Brandy Rhodes was, of course, taken out at ringside. Um, we see a lot of constant near falls. Again, a lot of crazy in-ring action. As we see Guevara at one point climbing up to the top rope, hits, uh, goes for a moonsault. No one homes. Lands on his feet, though. Standing moonsault. Nobody home. Lands on his feet again. Running shooting star press. But Cody, of course, kicks out of that. Uh, we see a backbreaker rack. Cody slips out. Drop to hold. Hang Sammy to the second rope. We see some more back and forth. And finally, Cody gets up top. Sammy springboard and hits after him. Spanish fly. Still just a two count, which was crazy. Another shooting star press. But, of course, this time, Cody's knees are up. Cody rolls him up and, of course, hits him with a small package, surprisingly, and gets the fin pinfall victory on the first match that we've seen on TNT programming in almost 20 years. Outstanding opening matchup. Uh, Cody with the win via pinfall, like I said, with that small package. Post-match, we see Rhodes goes to shake Guevara's hand and, of course, doesn't really take too long because Chris Jericho decides to blindside him and, of course, beats him down. Sammy backs off, doesn't want anything to do with this as Jericho whips Cody into the lariat and it hits a code breaker and we go to the commercial break. But during the entire time, and coming back from commercial break, Jericho is just still beating Rhodes down, holding a chair uh, high at ringside, a slap to follow it up, sending uh, setting up some chairs and doing, uh, of course, the whole uh, power bomb through the chairs as, of course, Chris just, just stalks up up the ramp. So uh, definitely a smart move, I think, as far as them opening things up with this one. The, the action was great. Simple storytelling, nothing really crazy. I think the video package was smart to kind of showcase why we should care about this match. Because if they just rolled into the match, you know, I think for for quote-unquote casual fans that might be, you know watching this for the first time or watching anything AEW for the first time might be confused as to why. I think the Jericho attack lead-in was smart because you want to give this idea of, you know, we want to build this importance of, you know, Jericho and Cody and and, and uh, the importance of Jericho being the AEW, you know, World Heavyweight Champion. Um, but as Chris stalks off the ramp, we see MJF, one of my favorite things about AEW, uh, get on the mic during his entrance. He says, just in case you live under a rock or you're poor, you're looking at the youngest and the fastest rising star in the history of pro wrestling. And tonight, we get the honor of watching a star being born as he goes one-on-one -on -one against the guy who lost his way to the seats. He says, Cutler's about to figure out that Dungeons & Dragons isn't real, but MJF is better than him. Uh, MJF is one of my favorite things about AEW. No questions asked. I, I love everything about him. I know he's one of the more popular uh, uh, stars of AEW, and I, I obviously see why. Cutler's match with MJF was actually probably the shortest one of the entire night, only lasting about three minutes or so. Uh, we see a little bit back and forth between the two, but it doesn't take long for Cutler to... Um, actually uh, try to come down, stop on his hand, scoop slam, arm ringer, and he kind of comes down and looks like he, he like we was uh, uh, 
kind of tweaking his uh, his knee there for a second. But Cutler puts him to the floor, off the rope, suicide dive, and the mountain punches on the ramp. Uh, he His knee gives out at that point, falls down, but goes into the corner. MJF rocks him with the forearm while the referee is distracted in between the two. And then, of course, we get a salt of the earth submission victory for Mr. Maxwell Jacob Freeman. So, of course, getting his victory on the debut on TNT. Loved all that. Of course, MJF forces the referee to raise his hand as we go uh, back to commercial break. Coming back, we see Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are being interviewed. Of course, they're tying this in because Jericho is going to be part of the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And now they're excited to see when, uh, you know, to be here when Jack Evans and Angelico rolled up. Evans tells Jay his hair Kyle sucks, uh, sucks to which Jay tells him not good enough to win a match. And then we see they're ready to fight, but then Private Party roll up to help with Smith and Muse out uh, and the heels instantly back off. As they segue this, segue this with kind of like tying in the whole concept of, you know, hyping up the tag team title tournament uh, and showing the bracket for that. Now, I, I saw a lot of people kind of giving this this piece right here with with Kevin Smith and Jason Muse a lot of shit. I don't know why. Uh, someone was saying like it was like WCWS, like really bad stuff. I totally disagree. It was a cheap plug. It's a way for them to kind of, you know, for Kevin Smith to promote the movie and for put more eyes on the product. That's kind of the point. At least they're not wrestling in a match. At least not yet anyway. But I love me some Kevin Smith. I love me some Jason Mewes. I love me some Clerks 3 coming out soon. But the point is, I don't really see why this is a huge deal. They were at ringside. They involved with kind of putting over some tag team talent in a sense. And at the end of the day, it was a great segue into the tag team title tournament. I really don't see much of a problem with this. Like, it could have been worse. They they weren't even in the ring, for God's sakes. But anyway, as they continue breaking down the tag team title tournament, we see a fantastic promo from SCU. Of course, they're in their nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And Scorpio Sky does his best Barack Obama impression while Daniels and Kazarian are pretending to be uh, Secret Service guards. The promo turns into just dumping on D.C. And Daniels and Kazarian, of course, take the time to put the group over. But then we get live in the arena. and We see SCU are actually at the stage being interviewed by none other than Tony Schiavone. Sky says, the big question for them is which two of them will compete in the tag team title tournament and they decided that and Scorpio says well I'm going to sip this one out and I'm going to let the former four time tag team champions Kazarian and Daniels enter the fray so we know that from SCU it's going to be at least Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian being in that tournament which is great to see but it doesn't last too long or at least the piece doesn't as the Lucha Brothers roll up and interrupt and Ray Phoenix gets on the mic he says he just wants to remind them of one thing that they're the best tag team in the universe and then of course Penta L0M adds the reminder that he's uh, Ciro Miedo so uh, he missed Daniels because sure, why not? And we see a bit of a brawl. The referees kind of break it up. Uh, uh, break it up. We see even D Malenko getting on hand, and they break it up. Of course, we cut to another commercial break. Coming back, we see of course Kenny Omega and uh, the Young Bucks getting ready, and of course we see Jericho and the formerly known LAX Santina, uh, Santana Ortiz getting ready as we get our way for our Adam Hangman Page match against Pac. Now this was another match that I figured. You know, looking into it, if you're going to probably pick a, a best match of the night, this might be the one. This is the one that probably has the most time to it and had the, uh, you know, probably one of the most better builds. I mean, obviously, the six-man tag had some decent uh, decent build going into it. But this one felt like it probably had the most because we were supposed to see it on a previous AEW pay-per-view. Never got it. And this one was very back and forth. But I felt like they never quite got into first gear with this one. Don't get me wrong. I think the action was intense and I loved everything about this thing. But just never quite got a little into that next next level stuff. And the ending was also a little bit on the bizarre side. And, and the only reason I say bizarre was because the commentary kind of 
it was a kind of an oddball situation. Uh, basically, what happened towards the end was we see that uh, we see uh, Pac doing a lot of crazy, insane moves, diving off Page, coming back and forth to kind of match it. Towards the end, we see a slingshot, buckshot, deny, wastelot, Earl Hebner caught against the ropes, and Pac does the mule kick to hit Page right in the good old. Um, uh, the, the page man's genitals there. Uh, <laughs> headed up top, he hits a black arrow and then, of course, hits over um, uh, the rings of Saturn or the Brutalizer, as he calls it. And Pac wins via submission. Now, the weird part of this whole thing is that the way that the ring of uh, the Brutalizer submission is done is that it's hard to really kind of physically tap out your arms up up here on one side and the other arms pinned so it's kind of hard to to physically tap out so you kind of have to go by the referee's rule which earl hebner said he's submitting ring the bell and now i don't think we had ourselves a good old-fashioned dc screw job here but even the commentators are like uh, i don't think he actually like submitted i think that he was actually close to the ropes or he didn't really tap out so it made them the whole thing question i think the matchup was pretty solid overall but that that whole finish was just weird um very strange. But Pac with a victory here as we roll things on into the future. I don't know what this means for either one of them. Uh, solid matchup. I'm kind of hoping for a rematch, especially that questionable ending at the end. I just don't know what that was, that whole thing about. But anywho, we roll into our AEW Women's Championship match, which unfortunately for me was the worst match of the evening. Now, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of criticism for this because AEW is, you know, overall, I thought the AEW show was fantastic, but out of all the matches, this was probably the weakest one in my opinion. And I know a lot of people are going to hate on me for this, but I think it's because of the inexperience of Nyla Rose. Now, I actually am a fan of Nyla Rose. I enjoy her work. I think she's actually pretty decent in the ring. But for whatever reason, with her and Rio, it just didn't click well. There were a couple of botches here and there that just looked a little uh, off-putting. Most of them were powerbomb-related, which were a little on the scary side. And I'm going to chalk it up to, of course, first-time jitters. It's the first time she's been on a major platform like this, challenging for the Women's Championship. So history is being made. So it's just it's a lot to put on uh, somebody. So I'm going to chalk it up to that. But unfortunately, that's really what kind of held it back, in my opinion. We saw a lot of brutality. I think I didn't realize Nyla was actually being portrayed as a heel, but it was pretty more cut and dry once we got to the actually the bell time so once we got into bell time things were rocking and rolling for sure so uh what we saw a little bit more of a more disconnect towards the middle uh you know middle of the match uh we saw her using steel chairs at one point laying them out towards the ringside area uh right near the entrance ramp of rio rolled away rio heads up on the apron and hits a diving double stomp and of course still not enough of course she does the diving double stomp back um once she perches up top seated set cross face apply rose uh, pu uh, pulling her grip down to relieve uh, pressures of course we go to commercial break coming back Rose comes that back in uh, control breaking an STF and clutching Rio for a power bomb uh, reversal blocked a lot of back and forth we see Death Valley driver uh, spikes down uh, <laughs> spikes her down but still not enough Nyla climbing up on the top rope Rio stirs and perches and uh, cuts her off climbing to join her again laying forearm after forearm in jockeying position Rio suplexes her Still not enough. Roll away from the running knee. Rio hits a second to the back of her head, and she wins after hitting a combination of multiple running knees and becomes the inaugural AEW Women's World Champion. Post-match, we see Michael Nakazawa hits the ring to congratulate Rio uh, and, of course, interview her in Japanese. But it doesn't really work too long as, of course, Nyla just blindsides both of them. Powerbomb for Nakazawa, which was a little scary. Uh, to the apron, she's got Rio, but Kenny actually Omega made the save on this one. Um... Okay, now it makes me think they're gonna do something here. Like we saw, like some confrontation between Kenny Omega and uh, Nyla Rose. I'm not sure if they're going to 
do anything with this, but it was it was just I was very head scratching on that one. Very head scratching on that one. Um, but in any case, we move on to our main event. We move on to our main event, which is, of course, the six-man tag. It's Chris Jericho and the former EYFBO, Ortiz and Santana, against the elite Kenny Omega, Mac Jackson, and Nick Jackson, a.k.a. the Young Bucks. This one was just all over the place. Of course, it doesn't take long as we see a lot of crazy action, but then it doesn't really take too long for a super kick party as we saw Jericho getting Kenny Omega in the walls of Jericho. Super kick party, tagged to Matt, ring, uh, off the ropes, slingshot, drop kick, and Nick's hit a corkscrew top over his brother. Omega calling for it, feeling frisky, but that's when John Moxley showed up, which was funny because literally as I was watching the show, I'm like, didn't we get a promise of John Moxley being on the show? And then sure enough, he actually shows up. So Moxley shows up and he hits him up from behind and hits him up and lights him up with forearms, dumping Kenny to the floor, putting boots to him, and they start brawling out to the area. Now here's the part that was weird, and, and maybe you guys can correct me in the comments or on social media, and maybe I'm completely missing this on this one. The referee should have called a DQ. Like the match should have been done over with because... <laughs> John attacked a member of the match, and it and and I've obviously we've seen this countless times before, where you know um, uh, someone gets taken out of a tag team match by getting attacked, but the referee usually doesn't see it. And yes, I know Kenny wasn't the legal man in this one, but the referee was like staring blatantly as this went down. It's like, well, okay. So that was the only really really quirk about this whole thing that was just very bizarre. Uh, but anyway, as con uh, action continues at inside the ring, we see them continuing to brawl out there. We see uh, cameras follow Moxley as he drags Omega further back in the crowd. Of course, the cleaner gets him up uh, approximately, uh, appropriately enough and uses it to even the odds. Moxley turns it back around and ramming Kenny's head into a door bunch and then of course pulls him into the MV uh, MVP area. Uh, we see a death rider through a glass coffee table and they instantly cut to break, which I thought was really badass. Back from commercial, we see Ortiz is beating Matt down and as he makes the tag to Santana. Straight suplex, back quick tag to Ortiz. Off the ropes, Matt back body drops Santana on the floor and spears Ortiz. Um, of course, we see Jericho legal gets a lion cell, but Matt gets those knees up. Santana and Max with some Norris and light suplex rolling into the second and hits a double one on both members of Santana and Ortiz. Tag to Nick, clear the apron, forearms and kicks for everybody as he fights off um, uh, Ortiz and Santana off uh, all by himself, taking it right to the floor. Springboard sent on a tummy co baby tagged to Matt. They got Santana where they want him, but of course, uh, going for the Meltzer driver. But Jericho hits Codebreaker on Nick as he's coming down off the ropes, which looked beautiful. They run in, rough uh, rough shot over Matt. Jericho lines him up, hits the Judas effect, and Jericho and the former EYFBO win via pinfall with the thanks to the Judas effect from Jericho onto Matt Jackson. But boy, howdy, does the action not stop there. Post match, Cody runs in and attacks Jericho to even the odds, putting the boot to him until Sammy Guevara comes in and hits him with a low blow. Then Dustin Rhodes makes his save. Snaps, uh, uh, snaps scoop power slam and a low blow of his own. But then out of nowhere... Jack Swagger, or rather Jack Hager, the formerly known as Jack Swagger, attacks Goldust and hits a high-angle spinning spine muster. Lariats for everybody from Swagger. Swagger bomb the heels pile the defeated babyface in the middle of the ring and stand tall. They drag the timekeeper's podium in the ring. Swagger picks Dustin up, and they doctor bomb him into the podium, which looked nasty because I don't even think the table actually broke. They drag Cody to his feet, and Jericho slaps him a few times and hits a Judas effect as the heels stand tall on this historic episode of AEW Dynamite on TNT. Whew, that's a lot to take in. I am pumped to see Jack Hager in AEW for numerous reasons. Um, you know, we've talked about this before 
And it was actually, we brought this up on the Random Wrestling Podcast, which you can listen to every Sunday, by the way. Uh, there was a rumor about him coming into the company, and there was potential with him. And I like that because when you think of like getting former WWE guys, right, there's usually, you want to get guys that are like former champions, and, and Hager is. He is a former world heavyweight champion, former U.S. champion, ECW, uh, and... Um, former ECW and also I believe tag team champion as well. But the point is that he's not really a name you would think of, especially considering that he has recently signed with Bellator MMA. So to have someone like him who hasn't really been involved with wrestling that I don't think anyone was really expecting to show up for the most part was a fun, refreshing little thing. You have to do a Lex Luger on the debut Dynamite. You got to do it, right? They had Luger on Nitro. You got to do Dynamite. You got to hang over Dynamite, you know? Um, I like that he's a heel because I think that helps kind of create another top star to put up there on that, you know, on that on that wavelength. I know MJF is a heel, but he's still friends with Cody, you know? Uh, I think the surprise factor was fun. All the run-ins was fun. Uh, again, the only, the, uh, the brawl with Moxley and Omega was fun. The only thing that bugged me was was that was the whole the whole thing of referee seeing the thing happen but aside from that man the AEW Dynamite debut was fantastic I thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was fun um remember folks we're not going to get crazy action from Dynamite every single week uh one thing that Cody or the 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 run of the mill is going right now is that you know they're going to use the momentum from Dynamite to sell their pay-per-views that's where the big payoffs are going to be which is kind of how it should be in wrestling, right? So don't expect every show to be perfect. Um, I think that really we had, you know, honest to God, we had four matches in this whole thing. You know, one, two, uh, three, oh, sorry, five, five matches, excuse me. We had five matches in this show overall, two hours, uh, with MJFs being the shortest, and unfortunately, in my opinion, the weakest of them being the women's matchup. But even the weakest women's matches did not deter me from really enjoying the show overall. Uh, overall. It's funny because there was a lot of references to WCW for good reason, turned TNT, you know, um, and then Cody, of course, and his history with everything. And it is interesting because it does have, in a positive way, a WCW-esque feel. It's still alternative. It's still different. It's still edgy. But it does still have that WCW feel of like this is a different lay of the land. You know, the logos are in different places. It's a different setup. The commentary team obviously looking familiar. And again, I mean that in a very positive way. So it does make me wonder, you know, especially with guys like Jack Hager coming in, who else could possibly come through the door? Just like we saw on Nitro in the in the uh, in the glory days. But also to see what they're going to do long term. You know, what other matches are going to see. We know we got the tag team title tournament kicking off next week in Boston. Which, by the way, if you guys are going to be attending that show, make sure you say hi because I will be in attendance. And also keep your eyes out if you guys aren't because maybe you might see a sign for some reason. I don't know. Just say it. I, I, I'm not promising anything. Just keep your eyes out for a potential sign. But anyway, um, I thought AEW Dynamite's show was an absolute success across the board even with that weakest match that I mentioned earlier. But unfortunately, in my opinion, the NXT show, I think, won this week. And why did it win? Well, you're going to have to go over to the NXT review and check that one out for yourself. But aside from that, I still love the AEW Dynamite debut. I want to hear, though, what you guys thought of it. Let me know your thoughts about AEW's Dynamite TV debut. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on social media. Make sure you follow me on, on YouTube, the Facebook, the Twitters at OKVabe. And, of course, download us on your favorite audio podcasting platforms. Check out that Represent store for all the merch. The Patreon page for the perks. Links, as always, are in the description box below. Check out the 
NXT review if you guys haven't done so already. And of course, make sure you guys come back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we preview the debut of SmackDown Live over on Fox. Or no, sorry, SmackDown. Just SmackDown now on Fox. With the huge title match and tons of stars showing up. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care. And as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.